I'm Josh Escovito with Weintraub Tobin. And I'm Scott Hervey from Weintraub Tobin. Popular anime YouTuber has three years worth of his work removed from YouTube overnight due to claims by the Japanese game animation company who publishes games he covers on his channel. One author covering the story proposed that this was due to Japanese copyright law. Is this the case or is just just the way YouTube works? We are going to look at this story on this installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. YouTuber Mark Fitzpatrick, known as Totally Not Mark, produces videos on the anime space, which he publishes on YouTube. A lot of his videos are comprised of reviews, which include edited-together montages from the game he is covering, along with new animation content and voiceovers. He focuses his content on a handful of games, including a title called Dragon Ball and another called One Piece. According to Mark, Toy Animation, the company that publishes and owns Dragon Ball and the other titles, had 150 of his videos, about three years worth of his content, removed overnight. Scott, do you think this qualifies as fair use? Well, under the Copyright Act, fair use is determined by looking at the following four factors. The purpose and character of the use, the nature of the copyrighted work, the amount and substantiality of the portion used in relation to the copyrighted work as a whole, and the effect of the use upon the potential market for or value of the copyrighted work. And the Copyright Act specifies certain categories of use that generally qualify for fair use protection. This includes use for criticism and commentary. Do you think this content that was removed was protected by fair use? Well, the, the toy videos in particular uh, that were removed were unavailable at the time I was putting this story together. But based on uh, his other works, it seems very possible to me that his videos were fair use. Also, Mark is quoted as saying that he ensures that his and his employees adhere to policies regarding fair dealing and fair use as outlined by YouTube, his own country, and other countries. Scott, during your intro, you mentioned that someone was of the belief that this takedown may have been the result of Japanese copyright law. How does Japanese law come into play here? Good question, Josh. I don't think Japanese copyright law has anything to do with this at all. One of the articles covering the story discussed how Japanese law does not have fair use as we know it and have it here in the United States and questioned whether that was the reason these videos were being removed. It's true that each foreign country approaches the concept of fair use differently. For example, Australia does not have a fair use provision in its, co in its copyright laws like we do here in the United States. While Australian copyright law does provide certain exemptions to the copyright holder's exclusive use rights, uh, and it does have some exceptions that may be similar to the purpose intent of United States fair use, the Australian Copyright Act does not have a multi-factor test that we have in the United States Copyright Act. Anyways, the reason why I'm confident that Japanese copyright law has nothing to do with the removal of these videos is because, well, in, YouTube, in YouTube's own terms of service, it says that the service is governed by California law and therefore the laws of the United States. So given that, it's doubtful that YouTube is going to apply Japanese copyright law when determining whether or not to keep these videos up or remove them. 
That said, Japanese copyright law could be applicable if the video game publisher wanted to restrict the availability of these videos in Japan, but that's not the case here. So was this a takedown under the DMCA? Under the DMCA, a claimant is required to review, in good faith, the applicability of fair use before it submits a takedown request. Given that 150 videos were removed overnight, that seems like that may not have happened. I agree, Josh. It's, it's impossible to analyze the applicability of fair use of 150 videos in you know, a 24-hour period. I don't think the videos were removed as the result of a DMCA takedown. Given the speed at which the 150 videos were removed, I would suspect that these videos were removed under the YouTube Content ID system, which operates separately from the DMCA. It's a system that YouTube established and YouTube users agree to adhere to per the terms of YouTube's terms of service. YouTube's system for detecting and managing copyrighted content is called Content ID. Copyright owners load their content into the Content ID system. The system then creates a digital fingerprint for each piece of content and then searches all of the videos within YouTube and new videos loaded into YouTube for a match. If a match is found, the copyright owner is notified and can, can elect either to block the video, thus making it unviewable for viewing, allow the video to stay up, but track the video and collect its revenue, or allow the video to stay up and monetize the video by adding advertising with ad, the ad revenue going to the copyright owner. This can be done worldwide or in specific geographic regions. While this election can be done on a case-by-case -case basis, most copyright owners set a default election and let the con content ID system do the rest. And given the speed by which these videos were removed, I would suspect that the game publisher had its content ID setting set to remove. If the content ID system removes a video, the owner of that video has the opportunity to challenge its removal. The video owner, in our case Mark, can request the copyright owner to retract the takedown request, or they can provide YouTube with a counter notification. The copyright holder then has 30 days to respond. In responding, the copyright holder can release the claim, reinstate the claim, or take down the video, which then triggers a DMCA or they can just do nothing and let the claim expire. If the copyright holder reinstates the claim, the video owner can then file an appeal. Now, once the appeal has been filed, the copyright holder has 30 days to respond. At that point, the copyright holder can either let the claim expire, release the claim, or request the video be removed under the DMCA. Now, if that happens, if the copyright holder requests the video be removed under the DMCA, and if the video owner submits a counter notice that complies with the requirements of the DMCA, the service provider, in our case YouTube, must replace the removed videos by no later than 14 days, unless the copyright holder has filed a lawsuit against the video owner. Now, the filing of a counter notice under the DMCA is really not to be taken lightly as it requires the video owner to declare under penalty of perjury that he or she has a good faith belief that the video was wrongfully removed. This would include a belief that the display or performance of the copyrighted material in the video was covered under fair use. A number of commentators have criticized the content ID system as having a chilling effect on content creators. What do you think about that, Scott? I don't know that I agree with that. I mean, clearly no system is perfect. 
the Content ID system does provide a middle ground for addressing issues like this without having to escalate it into full-blown copyright strike or federal court litigation. A copyright holder does not have to take a video down under the Content ID system. The copyright holder could choose to monetize the video, which would result in the video remaining up for the creator's audience to see, but they just wouldn't make any money. And so while this may not benefit the creator economically, it does not result in a complete loss of the creator's work. Also, if there were not a Content ID system, it would seem the copyright holders would have to resort to DMCA takedowns more frequently. That would require the content owners to engage the services of a lawyer to help them navigate the complexities of the DMCA. I agree, Josh. I mean, as I said, you know, no system is perfect. And also, if you want to be a YouTuber and put your content on the YouTube system, then you have to agree to the terms of service of YouTube, which means agreeing to the content ID system. And also, this raises another point. I mean, it's never really a good idea to rely solely on one platform to distribute your content. This is why content creators should have multiple platforms for their audience to access their content. If you're only relying on YouTube, then you're really beholden to the YouTube system. And, you know, like it or not, or for better or for worse, you just have to live with the way in which the YouTube system works and the rules that are established by YouTube for its system. Sounds like yet another instance where diversification pays off, Scott. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Thanks for tuning into this installment of the briefing by the IP Law Blog. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and podcast. And if you just can't get enough IP content, visit our website at theiplawblog.com. Thanks.